listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello everybody, welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host Josh Gessman coming to you on a Monday, October 18th. The LA Galaxy got a win. Whoa, big surprise. I know, everybody was expecting that loss. Uh, a, a big, big game for the LA Galaxy, a game in which uh, they really needed a big win. Uh, we're going to talk if it was the big win the Galaxy needed, whether this will carry over with confidence, uh, and certainly looking ahead to that midweek game against Houston in what I'm going to term the trickiest game of the season for the LA Galaxy. Playing against Houston, tough team. Um, I know they just got eliminated from the playoffs. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of that. We got stats, we got some other information and news, all that stuff. We're going to get to get a lot of it going to help me do all of that. He is back in action. Uh, he is coming to us remote. This is COG East, Extreme East. Kevin's in New York City, so we'll see how uh, the connection holds up. But Mr. Kevin Baxter is back. Kev, how's it going, buddy? Oh, you weren't supposed to say where I was. This was the undisclosed location. I'm in the corner of the galaxy bunker. Oh, yeah. Um, N- nobody yeah. can see out that window. That's that's no. it. Loose, yeah. li- loose, loose lips sink ships, Josh. <laughs> I, I can't tell you where I am or I'll have to kill you. So I understand. I'm on I... Double secret probation assignment here. Uh, wherever I am, we don't know where I am. Right. But where I am, it's secret. Oh, okay. Then I, I won't tell everybody. Just it's it's definitely not that place I mentioned before. That's that's for There's sure. A lot of a lot of tall buildings here. People speak with strange accents, and no baseball teams in the playoffs. Singapore. <laughs> that would be good. Okay. Okay. That good. Would also fit the bill. All right. All right. Very 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 good. Well, um, you know the Empire State Building. I walked by it like three times. There is not a big ape up on top there holding the girl. Yeah. That movie is so fake. It's. <laughs> can I tell you? Can I tell you something that happened to me today? Um, and I'm not sure if you've ever done this before, but I found it after I did it, I stood there and sort of stared at myself in the reflection of my car window for, I don't know, a good two minutes contemplating my life, uh, and, and finding out which direction it went. I I went to, to leave the office today and I, and I was carrying a piece of paper with me, one piece of paper. I know it sounds weird, but it was my preview sheet for, for the, uh, for the podcast tonight. I usually do previews for, for games and, oh, that's supposed to be in the, in the, in that's supposed to be in the satchel handcuffed to the arm of the guard, right? Yeah. I mean, usually this is some pretty potent stuff here, um, but just some basic stuff. I write some notes down on it over the day, sort of things I didn't want to talk about. Right. So I had one piece of paper in my hand, Kevin, I had my keys in my left hand, this piece of paper in my right hand. So I left the office, walked over to my car, unlocked my car, opened the passenger side, put the single piece of paper down in the seat, closed the door, walked around, opened the door on the driver's side and sat down. And I thought to myself after I did that, you know, you could have just tell, taken the piece of paper in through the through the driver's side and just placed it in the passenger seat. You didn't have to open its own door. For that. I don't I don't know where that comes from, Kevin. I don't know. It's a single sheet of paper. It's not like it's something heavy that you have. But yeah, anyway, this but, was, yeah. but it's the rundown of this show. I mean, men have died trying to get a hold of that information. Yeah, <sighs> absolutely, hundred percent true. So let me tell you one thing about New York City. Oh, I just said where I am. Yeah. Anyway. One thing about here is there are bouncers at the door of restaurants. You have to show your 
COVID, our, our photo or the actual COVID vaccination card, or you cannot get into indoor restaurants. That happened to me twice where I had to show. Uh, and the first one, it was just the guy that I ordered the food from. But the second one, there was actually a NFL linebacker sized bouncer at the door. It was just a chain restaurant. Right. And I had to show him that before he would open the door, allowing me in. It, that's, uh, that's, I mean, I, I think it might be a little more strict than getting into Dignity Health Sports Park over the weekend. I, I did ask, you know, this was the first game under LA County's, um, you know, newest uh, rules. And, and, and attendance right. was way down. It was. I don't know if we can link them directly. I think there certainly is a component to that. There's, I think there's a bunch of things that if you really want to talk about it and actually want to get into it, that maybe you could point your finger to. I would say the LA Galaxy sucking for four years and then sucking for two months before that. Probably the biggest indicator of why there hasn't been a huge boost. Um, and there, the Dodgers were also playing that night, which is a big draw. They weren't playing in Los Angeles, but if you wanted to watch the game, you couldn't be at the Galaxy game and watch the game. You would have had to do that on, you know, a second sc- screen or something like that. So that was another thing. The Kings were playing that night. I know Kings and Galaxy usually do cross over with a bunch of fans. We know there's a bunch of Kings fans that are Galaxy fans that go to the games. Um, so usually those are offset, but this is the time of year that they go through it. But it was. There was the the show your vaccination card. There was the show your negative test. And I saw people in lot 10 uh, getting their negative, getting their tests before the game. The line was was long, that type of thing. I think everybody probably got through the way that they did. Um, I heard people complain about parking that was very difficult to get in for parking. Kevin, uh, God only knows why there was only 15,000 people there. And you would think the L.A. Galaxy have this figured out. I do think that there is. Uh, a turnover problem overall, whether we're talking about selling tickets, whether we're talking about parking, whether we're talking about inside vendors, however we want to look at it. Um, there are reasons why you can you could sort of see some things uh, breaking down in the game. I will tell you this. I, I will tell you this. I, I asked people what their experience was getting in, and most people said that they absolutely did check their vaccination cards, but whether or not they actually checked it, that was like, you know, an actual examination of that card was probably, there probably wasn't anything there. They, they, they at least looked at it. Whether or not they actually examined it was, would probably be asking too much in this. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, I was not at the Galaxy game or the LAFC game because I'm on this, on this super secret mission in an undisclosed location on the East Coast. But um, I was told the LAFC game that um, the checking of the of the vaccination cards was not as thorough as at the Galaxy game. But one of the things to remember is MLS announces attendance based on tickets distributed, not tickets sold or not a turnstile count. So that means if on the morning of the game you decide you you're the team and you decide there's seven thousand tickets that haven't been sold, you can give them away a radio station call in. You can go to you know to the mall and just hand them out. Those are tickets that have been distributed and that counts in the attendance. And I say that because I think the galaxy announced 15,000, something like that. There wasn't 15,000 in the building. Probably closer to 13. If we're really like sort of guessing there was, there was less than probably what was announced. Absolutely. And LAFC announced another sellout, which will be their 57th, I think consecutive sellout of 22,000. There was not more than 15, 18,000 in that stadium. But the tickets had been distributed. They do have a, you know, they do have a very high season ticket base. So they sold those tickets. People just didn't come. And then I heard that the Dodgers playoff game uh, tomorrow is there is on the secondary market. There is not the demand that the secondary sellers expected. And I'm going to attribute that all to the vaccination mandate that people have not got their ducks in a row. 
They'd love to go to the game, but they can't buy the tickets because they they're not vaccinated. Could be. I just it would just it would feel to me. I, I don't know if you figure. Uh, I'll be honest. So a Saturday night game playing against Portland usually is a draw, Kevin. I have to put the the number the Galaxy would normally draw in that situation a Saturday night in that in that situation. Let's say that the Galaxy were at least decent enough to draw some interest in that at twenty five thousand plus. Right. And so if you look at twenty five thousand plus and you look at 15, even the announced, the Galaxy are basically 10,000 short on on where they're at. So a bunch of different factors probably put that into the into it. Let's see how it goes down this line, though. Right. Because the Galaxy, I think everyone's hoping hoping that they turned a corner with the win against Portland, that there might be some interest sort of drummed up. But you have to remember, there's just two home games left now for the L.A. Galaxy, five games, um, you know, going out. But what I would say, too, is they were coming back off a two-week international break. And this is the one thing that I don't quite get, because we were told there was this pent-up demand that people couldn't go to games last year because of COVID, and that this year, you know, and then they start, remember at the beginning of this year, it was limited. There was this pent-up demand, and I just don't see that. And, and it could be, just like you and I, we've learned to live through Zoom. I mean, I don't go to do interviews in person, rarely. Most of the stuff is through Zoom. We've learned to live through Zoom. And yes, there's a million drawbacks. And, I, and I'm and i not saying I like this better. I'm just saying we have adapted. And maybe people have adapted to watching the games from home. They've decided they like watching the games with their dog better than going, you know, trekking out to the stadium. I, I don't know. It, it just, I, I'm going to credit a lot of that attendance problem to the vaccine mandate. I think everybody should not worry about attendance very much until, you know, pandemic is quote unquote over. Um, I, I imagine or, or at least to a point where we've all sort of settled into the exactly the, the rhyme and the rhythm of how we're, we're going to approach that. So that was something certainly to look at. I, I again, I will tell you that on the press side of things, I don't think anybody asked for our vaccination status whenever we went through. Um, but, but we're all I mean, I think everyone that I know in the in the press box has been vaccinated I, I think at some point the galaxy asked us that question i don't i i don't remember being asked um and i don't know that we had to check any box that said we were so i don't know if we're exempt somehow which i don't believe we are but i know that mine i know that mine wasn't checked uh, i know are that you, like, are you vaccinated i am i am okay. I've, I've i've talked about that on the show that's not a you and Tucker that's Carlson a that, both. that's a hippo violation don't you know that's a hippo violation <laughs> I, that's a what hippo i heard or hippo. no hippo hippo big the big you know, animals you know that hippos Hippopotamuses are actually faster than humans uh, in running and in swimming, both. So that means if you're going to beat a hippo in a triathlon, you got to really make up ground on the bike race. That's <laughs> you. You don't think a hippo can ride a bike? That was actually Whoa. Kevin. That may have been your funniest joke. I just want. I just want to tell you. I want to. I want. I want to at least acknowledge it a little bit. Someone got a video of me on Twitter yeah. walking my dog. And that, that wasn't you. That wasn't you, and it was still funny. Uh, let's talk about the LA Galaxy's win over the Portland Timbers. Oh, do we have to? We do. Uh, okay. LA Galaxy put out a lineup. I will tell you right now. Greg Vanny is in a position now to. Uh, solidify, quote unquote, solidify a starting lineup. And I believe this is sort of where he's leaning. Now, it doesn't mean he's not going to rotate some people. I do think there's going to be some rotation in this. But I think that what you're seeing here right now is as close to a quote unquote starting lineup that Greg Vanny is going to do. I think he'll rotate Victor Vasquez. Um, and he, let me give you your lineup real quick. And we'll start at the bond, back with Jonathan Bond. Uh, you have Hamelinen on the left, Williams and Depew playing in the center. I think this was, Vanny said this was their second game ever playing together um, in that center back position. But it seems like those are the guys that Vanny is going to focus on uh, down the stretch as long as there's no injuries. 
Araujo on the right-hand side. You had Revelison and Dos Santos in the center. Grand Sear, Cabral, and Vasquez in the midfield. I'm going to tell you in a second about how angry I get that the Galaxy put this in a 4-4-2 formation because it's so not a 4-4-2 formation and they know better. Uh, Chicharito was the lone forward up top in this particular uh, uh, lineup. Uh, the LA Galaxy had uh, seemingly everybody who they wanted to have available. So Koulibaly was available. Steris was available. Kleshin, Leggett, Alvarez, Zubak, Saldana, and Jovalich all available. So the Galaxy had everybody here. Now, let me talk quickly about the 4-4-2, Kevin. And this is why I get a little bit upset about it, is that the Galaxy know this isn't a 4-4-2. So why do you put it in this place? Victor Vasquez is clearly a midfielder. He's just a free roll midfielder, right? He's able to move in any direction and go on any side. And usually he likes to sort of tuck in on his left-hand side, on the left side, out on the corner. But he's withdrawn from that forward line. You would put Grant Sear and Cabral more as forwards in this lineup than you would anybody else. And with Vasquez in there, guess what it starts to re- resemble is a 4-3-3 which is what the Galaxy have really well, been playing a lot a four, in. Four, a 4 2 three, one. Sure, sure. No problems with that. But it's certainly not a 4-4-2. Four, four, and if you're trying to... Um, I don't know. Did the Galaxy think they're fooling anybody by putting in a 4-4-2? Like, oh, Portland's going to look at it and be like, oh, man, that Vasquez, he's going to play up on the front line. Definitely have to watch. So for me, you know that's not happening. You know that they're not fooling anybody. Everybody knows what's going on. So why do you put it on a 4-4-2? And you put it there for only one reason is because you're trying to, you know, fool somebody, but you end up fooling your fans more than anything. If you're trying to show somebody, Kevin, who comes to a game for the first time and you're telling them this formation, you're like, oh, this is a 4-4-2. And they're like, oh, well, that means that Vasquez and Chicharito, they're going to be playing up top. No, well, technically no, because Vasquez is going to play in the midfield. He's not going to be a forward. He's not going to press up on that line. He's going to be a second line guy that sort of comes in, makes late runs, can sometimes stretch the line, but it's more of deep lying runs. All of this stuff is very simple. Why even put the 4-4-2 out there? It just it drives me crazy. You know better than this. What does Bruce Arena always say about formations? It's just a starting point, right? That's yeah, what he says. It doesn't matter. That's when they kick the ball, everybody runs around. By the way, I, I, the thing I don't like about that lineup is is uh, I like Viafania and I like Steris. Uh, and yeah, I would. I mean, I think Viafania has the best chance of being somebody who comes in and replaces Hamelainen if he's ready to go. And if not, uh, Nico had, I think, one of his best games. So you you build. No, Hamelainen is great. I, I have no problem with Hamelainen. I just I think, do. I have lots of problems with him, but uh, I, I, well, I, I just think Viafania is better. Uh, Viafania is a better, I think, defender for sure. Um, and certainly, I'll say this again, Hamelainen had, I think, his best game. But the LA Galaxy defense had its best game of the year, um, and I think that was hands down. Um, so, you know, for me, this, I think is what you're going to see from Greg Vanny. I think you're going to see this lineup more or less. I do expect guys like Victor Vasquez to be rotated. Perhaps Legette comes in and fills into that midfield role. You can look at somebody like Jonathan Dos Santos and Legette flying into there. Um, you know, maybe you can have you, everybody who's saying that Jovalich and Chicharito should play together clearly haven't been paying any attention to what Greg Vanny has seen and what he wants to do. Um, I will, I will hundred percent agree in this game, which Uh, Can I start out with Kevin saying that the Galaxy absolutely dominated basically from start to finish outside of about 10 minutes? uh, You know, they had the ball. They had the ball 70 percent of the first half. They had the ball 70 percent, 50. And they outshot them, I think, 11 to 2. Yes, it was. It was lopsided. It was ugly. Um, The Galaxy created so many chances. This was one of the most dominant performances the Galaxy have actually given this year. And if you just look at the expected goals um, in this, Kevin, you can see the Galaxy should have scored way more goals than the two that they had. They had a 3.4 XG. Chicharito probably less, left two or three sitters uh, for sure. Cabral had a tight angle shot where he got saved twice. 
Um, I actually like that run from him. I think that's the perfect run. I just don't like the um, the angle at which he's trying to finish there. Um, so hopefully he can make that run and hopefully they can get him a little bit tucked in further inside because there's no place to go with that ball for him except on that near post. And, you know, Steve Clark knew that as well. So you got that from him. Uh, I didn't have a problem with Cabral's performance. You would like to see him a, a little more active in this, but I thought Grant Sear was plenty active on the left-hand side. I thought that Chicharito was very active in the center. I thought Vasquez pulling all the strings on the 10 spot was great. The thing with Vasquez is, though, Kevin, is that you know you're only getting him for a certain amount of time, right? So we can't keep sitting here and saying he's absolutely, I think he should start. Any game he can start, he should start. But you know you're getting limited time out of him, and it worries, and it should worry the LA Galaxy, that if you don't score with him on the field, that when he goes off most times, nine times out of 10, you're going to see a drop off in the offensive production. And so getting a goal early, which they should have done in that first half, was super important. And they failed to do that. Um, dominant well, performance, and they didn't get a goal in that first 45 minutes. But, you know, if you're taking Vasquez off and putting Sebastian Lejet on, you're replacing Vasquez with a U.S. national team player. And if you let Va if you let Lejet play that role, which I, I, Greg Vanny has not so far, in my opinion, you, you know, I, I, I would agree that there's a drop-off, but you're replacing Vasquez with a U.S. national team player, you know, and Legette's pretty good. Uh, so I, that that can work, but I'm going to try to find the silver lining to the black cloud. And you're right. They had a million chances and they just could not finish. And that is a big problem. But the two goals they got, um, the first one, it went through the legs of a defender, was perfectly positioned, surprised Chicharito, who scored on it. That's a fluke goal. And then the second one kick, comes kick, on a penalty kick, kick well-earned by Efrain Alvarez, right. but it's still a penalty kick. So you could make the argument if you want it to be really on one side, you could say the Galaxy got two cheap goals and won two to one. But maybe that's what they need at this point because they dominated the game and they got those fluke goals and they won. Maybe that kind of opens up something for them. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's let's give credit to Vasquez for putting that ball in that eventually did find Chicharito, right? I mean, sometimes it is about putting the ball in a dangerous situation. And Araujo had a great game running up and down the right-hand side. Portland did not have an answer for him. He was cutting inside. He was running to the touchline. He was cutting back balls. I mean, I think he cut two back that Chicharito hit directly at Clark. Um, and so, you know, for all the hate that Cabral gets... Uh, I'll say focus a little of that towards Chicharito because, yes, he scored a goal. He should have had two or three more in that game, and some of those were easier than the one that he actually scored, and people are going to say, oh, that was easy. Listen, he had to anticipate that ball was going to somehow get through. Nobody thought it was going to get through, and it did, and he still had to hit it with the outside of his right-hand foot from about six yards away. That would have been an easy ball to hit over the top of the bar. I know that sounds... Well, did you see his expression? Yes. He was... I think he was very surprised. I mean, you were right. He was there, and he got the goal, and that's a Chicharito goal. It's a poacher goal. But I don't know that he did expect it to get through. I think he was stunned when it came through. I, I, oh, he was stunned. I think also you saw afterwards he was sort of looking at everybody like, finally. Finally, I got one. I, I missed two or three of these chances, and I finally knocked one in. And right. and, and you have some stats on him. I do. No, you know, I mean, I, I think it's important to sort of, uh, again, pay attention to Chicharito and what he has done, um, you know, over these. Remember the over-under on him before the season? Everyone talked about, what was the number? 15. 15, right. And so Over-under was 15. So he has 13 goals right now, and you can sit there and say, well, you know, hey, that's not great. It's not wonderful it's not great but uh, again he was injured for a significant period of time 
Uh, he missed a yeah. He missed a ton of games for the LA Galaxy. The Galaxy what have played twenty have played twenty nine games. Uh, he's played in seventeen of those games. In seventeen games, Kevin, he has thirteen goals. Okay, his point eight six. Um, let me give it even better. He's averaging a goal every one hundred and eight point three minutes in MLS in twenty twenty one. Right in this season, his goals per ninety of point eight six is second only to Ola Kamara, who is currently leading the league in goals. And how many goals does Ola Kamara have, having played seventeen? He yet he has seventeen goals. So Chicharito's only four goals behind a guy who has played six more games than him. And he's only four goals behind a lot of guys who have played 29 games this year. So it's important to, to put it all in perspective. And certainly as Sasha question has so perfectly pointed out that being available is a skill, Kevin. And if Chicharito can't stay healthy and be on the field, then he is failing at that very important skill of being available. So that's that's a knock. But when he has been on, he's now scored three goals in his last seven games for the LA Galaxy coming off of injury. Right. And you said 0.86 goals. 0.86 per 90. And so we're in 29 games. So he would be around 27 goals if he had played every game. He would be chasing Zlatan's record, right? He was whenever he got injured. Remember, he scored yeah. ten goals in ten games. Um, we we well, and we were talking about him in that that breath, and it's still even his three and seven is not horrible. And whenever you figure out all the stuff, it, it's just still he deserves some criticism because in that time now, in the last couple of games, he's missed some easy goals, um, and he can't miss those if the Galaxy are going to be successful. Well, you know, on my super secret assignment here, which took me to New England, where I talked to Kurt Onofo. He talked about how we talked about the Galaxy and, and their success and, and stuff. And he marveled at how the, the Galaxy, in his mind, and, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but in his mind, they played a certain way with Chicharito. Then they had to adjust to play without Chicharito. And then they had to adjust to playing with Chicharito back. And in his mind, there was huge adjustments that had to be made each time, whether Chicharito was there or not. I, I don't know that I totally agree with that because – I didn't see huge adjustments. Yes, there were adjustments, and the team did play differently, but he thought that it was a marvel that they were able to move back and forth with Chicharito or not. And when you look at, at as you just said, that you know his production, you know maybe Colonel Napo has something there. The team does – it is one sort of a, a one-man crew when Chicharito is out there. Can, can I tell you, and I think – uh, there's something to that. I, I don't know. I, I, I think the Galaxy are definitely playing more as a team right now with Chicharito in these last uh, two or three games for sure that you can sort of see. He is a part of the offense. He is a key, as he should be, but he's not all. Um, and that's an important distinction to have. I mean, other guys are getting shots. Um, other guys are getting chances. Uh, you just need those those chances to be buried and to be finished. Uh, I will tell you the one biggest thing, and I will, and I think I've already said it. I said this was the defense's best game, but it was a, the defensive effort best game for the LA Galaxy. And I'm talking all the way from Chicharito to Cabral to everybody else. When the Galaxy gave the ball up in 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 transition, there were guys sprinting back like their life depended on. Kevin Cabral was playing defense. I don't think I've seen him play defense, but he was hustling back every time the, the ball got given up. He was running back. Do you know how many Chicharito probably had two or three back pre- back pressure takeaways? Um, in terms of you know creating the pressure whenever the ball's given over, Chicharito would drop, swoop in from his midfield line and pressure on the backside of the midfielders that were trying to attack for Portland, and he would disrupt the play. He would 
push the ball away. He would do something that would cause a turnover. So um, the defensive effort that you saw from Grand Sur, Cabral, Chicharito, uh, Ravellison, Jonathan Dos Santos even was sprinting as hard as he could. And that dude is limping all over the place, Kevin, like from the start of the game to the end of the game. And like, it's one of those things where you want to ask Greg Vanny if he's injured, but you're also pretty sure Greg Vanny's going to be like, no, this is just who he is. I don't know if there's a bigger like red flashing sign that Jonathan Dos Santos has done with the LA Galaxy than the fact that he seems to be limping uh, for every game at all times um, in any situation. And so um, it's just you're seeing and and I'll go back to the defensive side of things, but you're seeing that team defensive attitude that has been missing. And if you look at this game, I consider this basically a shutout game and you can look at Blanco's goal beautifully taken. I actually think he was trying to do it on a purpose. Uh, I think Julian Araujo got a, got picked on the play. I don't know if it's a foul or not. It's certainly borderline. I'd probably want to go back and look at it on replay if I was a referee or the VAR and I probably don't touch it. You probably leave it alone. Um, but when you look at that and how little of the ball Portland had and how little of the ball Portland had in dangerous situations outside of about 10 minutes during this game, I think you have to be uh, extremely excited uh, that the LA Galaxy defense is taking a step forward right now, Kevin. I think this is the the time for it to happen. Offensively, though, I think the one thing that's lacking, I think one goal they've scored this year from outside the box. Yes. And, and when you think about it, think about it in basketball terms. If you shoot from beyond the arc, if you shoot three-pointers, that opens things up in the paint because defenders have to come out and they have to acknowledge your ability to shoot from distance. The Galaxy don't have that. And so uh, opposing teams are able to pack the box. And we know Chicharito scores in the box, he, uh, around the six-yard box, not just in the 18. He scores around the six-yard box. It makes the Galaxy, in my mind, too easy to defend. And I, I'm not saying they're going to score from out there. I just think they occasionally need to take shots just to get teams to respect their ability to shoot from from distance. They do take shots from out there. I will at least push back on that. They do take shots from out there. They're blocked a lot of times. They A lot of times they don't find the goal. Uh, Nico Hamelainen is, is, is great at taking shots from out there that mean very little and are, aren't very dangerous. But um, you, there are guys who will take a shot. But, I mean, you're talking about a guy's uh, Sebastian Legette and Jonathan Dos Santos, who they should be living on that shot, Kevin. That should be the shot these guys are going after because it makes a ton of sense uh, for just how the LA Galaxy play. You're right. If you're going, to, if teams are going to pack the box, make them come out. That opens up things like the fake shot where it's a pass inside, right? You can go out there and act like you're going to take a big shot and then you cut that ball back against everybody and somebody like Chicharito is looking for that play every single time anyway. So he's, he's there and you can take advantage. It is something that you need to take advantage of but I will say this again, I thought the Galaxy were very dynamic in their chance creations. I know Julian Araujo, who leads the team in, in assists this year. By the way, uh, if you have to vote on the best player of the year so far for the LA Galaxy up until this point, well, why is it Julian Araujo is basically my question, because it is. That's that's the correct answer. Is he defender of the year? He's defender of the year, hands for, down. For, for MLS, for the league. Oh, for, no. I, and, and I think that's more a product of the fact that the Galaxy defense has been atrocious um, and, and you can't really give it to him, right? Like somebody like Walker Zimmerman could win it again. Um, yeah, you, I think you Walker Zimmerman does win again. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, and that makes sense to me, but I mean, Julian Rajo certainly is defender of the year on the LA galaxy. Uh, most consistent defender they've had also the most consistent, uh, creator of chances. Like I said, he has six assists. Um, but he's also usually the impetus for a lot of those runs. I mean, and now you're looking, let's get to the, let's get to, uh, Sasha Kleshin and, and Julian Araujo coming on. Because, or not Julian Rojo, Efrain Alvarez coming on. Because, but, and by the way, you, a lot of them made it what Sasha said earlier in the week. 
on Thursday, he said, we need one big play. We need one guy to, well, he didn't say one guy. We need one big play. We need one moment to turn things around. When he said that, you know, my first thought was, it's going to be Sasha that does that. It's Sasha's going to provide that moment. And he did. And I think, I, I know where you're going with Efrain Alvarez, that dribble through the box, that zigzagging dribble, I don't think he had any intention to do anything with that ball other than draw the foul. I, I really do. I think that. I think, I think, first of all, I think Greg Vanny should be praising to whatever deity that he prays to because I think all that has really been missing from Efrain, and listen, he shows glimpses of being great. And I think somebody said, oh, Efrain proved why he's a 90-minute player and he needs to be out there all the time. And I totally disagree with that right now. Uh, he is much better and makes much bigger impacts on the game whenever he comes off. Uh, with a specific something in mind to do um, and comes in as a substitute and has a goal in mind to do that, right? And so Greg Vanny wanted him to get up the field. In fact, Greg said in his post game, he says, I just, every time I would talk to Efrain, I would say higher, higher, higher. He doesn't want him back in the, back in the zone trying to pick the ball up. He wants him up that sideline. And Julian Araujo and the and the combination between Julian and Efrain Alvarez was so important in that second half as the Galaxy are trying to find a way to get that goal back, right? Um, Sasha and Efrain come into that game right after the LA Galaxy have scored. Um, they do that, and then 10 minutes later, uh, Portland comes in. So they came in with something in mind, and now they basically had to change everything, but they had the right guys in the right position. Uh, for Efrain to be that aggressive, Kevin... Thank that's that's it. That's what he needed to be. He is shifty enough to absolutely 100 um, percent create that kind of havoc in the box all the time. And he needs to have the confidence to be able to do that. A lot of times we see him get in the box and he's more straight line. I love that 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 horizontal run coming across. Um, I loved everything about that. And, it, you know, it was a clear foul. There's nobody even arguing that, by the way. It was shown on instant replay on MLS's thing. And I was like, why are you even showing that? That's not an instant. By the way, they said, oh, it's 100% a foul. Well, yeah, guys, why are you even showing that on instant replay? They're supposed to be but like... What was, what was his... I mean, I didn't see any offensive play developing. I, I think he was just trying to foul. And by the way, um, Greg Vanny, play, uh, his deity is, is, is Vishnu, obviously. Uh, I mean, I think... Yeah, yeah. Why, why do you say that? I, I just think he's a Vishnu kind of guy. All right. That's that's a that's an interesting take. We'll save that for another podcast. Uh, Julian Araujo can absolutely create something there if Van Rankin doesn't take him down. You're running across the goal like that, and he's on his left foot. He absolutely could have got a shot off if he's coming across there. When Van Rankin takes him out, the reason that he does is because he's starting to break away from him on that plane. And so Van Rankin thinks he's going to jump in and grab, by the way, horrible play. Horrible play. If you're Portland, you have to be so disappointed that you were getting that. Uh, that you Especially were with Clark, the game that Clark had. I mean, the guy had six saves. Have a little bit of the, uh, a little bit of uh, uh, confidence in your goalkeeper at that point. You need to you you have to do something. I, I'll, I'll say, you know, um, as much as Efrain Alvarez deserves credit, Sasha Kleshin deserves credit for that and so much more as well because. Um, and by the way, I'm 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 gonna answer back at all the people who told me that they were sick and tired of hearing Sasha Kleshin talk. Uh, in fact, one guy was like, "I don't want to hear Sasha Kleshin talk anymore." Uh, but the guy doesn't even play. Like, I don't need to hear from some scrub. You know, basically was his thing. And I'm like, yeah. I, I think the biggest development you can have as a Galaxy fan right now is realizing that Greg Vanny is putting a roster together of 30 players right? 30 players. There are 30 players on that team. There are, you know, 25 that get to dress. There are 
eight, you know, there's going to be 18, there's going to be 16 guys, 17 guys who get to play every single game. And every single one of them is important. It's how Bruce Arena built his teams. And if you look at Bruce right now and all he's doing with New England, it's because every time he goes to the bench for whoever he's called on, somebody is ready to fill that role. Sasha Kleschen, Kevin, is the guy who is 100% ready to fill that role. But it's bigger than that because with all due respect to Kevin Hartman and Dan Kellichman, Sasha Kleschen is the top assistant coach right now. He's the guy that's in the locker room talking to guys. Jonathan Bond talked about that earlier. When I have questions about MLS, I go to Sasha. And and he's the, you know, and Victor Vasquez fills that role too. But Sasha is the veteran leader in that in that locker room. And he talked about it last Thursday. Look, I've been through this before. I know that a bad patch doesn't end the season. I know that we're still a good team and we can still do this. And he's telling guys that, and and guys are saying, "Oh yeah, how do you know that, old man?" And he because in this season this happened, and in this year this happened, and these things they came true. And look at the records; we did this. And you know he's really important. I thought it was interesting too that he said every game day he wakes when he wakes up in the morning he <laughs> decides if I get a penalty kick, which direction? Where I'm going with it. He doesn't study the goalkeeper. He, he just this is where I'm going to shoot it. That that was that he's was. Farting guessed right but Sasha's um penalty kick was just too hard it, it was perfect and it's, and it's for a guy who deserved it too um and he is a big reason that this galaxy team if it makes a run will make a run uh he's he's the voice inside their head right now everybody on that field that's saying we can take nothing for granted and listen uh i was i was in discord i was in the discord just before this started and somebody was saying you know well the galaxy can't be complacent going into houston and and I'll, I'll go back and look. I know Vanny said something of, of, of complacency looking at in a certain game situation, but I don't think the Galaxy have ever approached a game where they were like, oh, we're just we're going to be better than everybody. And even if they did uh, and they got their butts kicked, uh, you cannot expect this Galaxy team that just went through a nine game winless streak right to be complacent about everything. They are now in a situation where they understand how hard it is to win a game, how easily you can lose games, how you cannot win games and what their opponents need to feel whenever they play. This is, I think it's one of the first times, Kevin, that the Galaxy have really beaten a team that was above them in the standings and like in a fourth position for Portland because you go back and look at all the other games where they played those upper rank at Colorado, Sporting Kansas City, Seattle, um, you know, and then you'd throw Portland in there as well. Um, these teams that have been above them that they haven't been able to beat. Um, and this is this is one of those times. And Portland is a good team. And so I think it's really important. I want to get to Sasha's audio. Uh, and this was his post-game interview. Uh, Nikki K. Nikki. Yeah, Nikki did a much better job of getting Sasha to cry than we did um, in our post-game whenever we talked. No no tears whenever we uh, whenever we talked to Sasha afterwards. But Nikki told me I could use this video. So I'm going to play this yeah. for everybody. Uh, yeah, Kevin. Right, nice porn mustache. Look at the porn mustache, too. That, wh- why, do you, why do you care? What is like? What he is it about like you? The guys on, he looks like one of the guys on Reno nine one one. You you look like one of the guys who didn't make Reno nine one one. I mean, do. that's 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 sort of the point. The point of the whole thing. Sasha Sasha's mustache has gone out of style and come back into style now. You're so old, you don't even realize that it has come back in style. So anyway, here he, is he here here is a uh, Sasha question talking to Nikki K afterwards. afterwards. Sasha, August 4th was the last time you heard this celebration in the stadium. How good does it feel to be able to win again back at home? Yeah, it feels really good. Um, you know, it's been tough for us. We, we haven't had results tonight. I thought we played a fantastic game and they score off a lucky ball that he's trying to cross. And it felt like another one of those nights where we put a lot of effort into the game and we weren't going to get the result. So to finally get a win, it, it puts us back on the right track and hopefully we keep this going now towards the playoffs. 
You've sacrificed so much for this team, not starting in your normal capacity. You've talked about what you've learned to become a leader, but tonight you get to be the hero. What did that mean to you? Uh, it meant a lot. Uh, sorry. Uh, I, I give a lot for my career, for my life, and uh, it just it feels good to score again. You know, this morning I coached 13-year-old uh, boys in the academy, and I told them, excuse me, I told I could see the disappointment on some of the kids' faces that weren't starting in the game, and I told them I'm going to use me as an example because tonight I'm going to play a game, and if I play 10 minutes, I'm going to be the one that makes the difference. So I just feel so good that my message to those boys, I hope they're watching tonight, that the message to the boys was real, that I showed up tonight to do my job. And, and you know, luckily I was able to score the goal and we win the game. Sasha, you set the example. You gave this crowd something to cheer about. Now it's your turn to go celebrate with your supporters. Thank you. Thank you. All right, there we go. A little uh, Sasha question talking to Nikki Hay so, after. Were they, were they, did Nikki take Sasha to a disco? What was that? That, that was like? that was just the this in stadium lighting. By the way, I would like to point out as I defend Sasha question um, one one more time uh, that you know just in just in case you really want to give him crap about his looks, uh, he married a Victoria's Secret model. So apparently yeah. she doesn't care, Kevin. I, so and, if and she he, doesn't care, you shouldn't care. It very, it's very smart. He's hydrating there. It's just always take care of your health, Sasha. That's, that's good. That's good. And the other thing, you know, Sasha is a favorite of ours because he always, at the end of the interview, most guys are just like, is that it? I'm out of here. This this week after the post-game interview, he said, is that it? No more questions? Yeah. Really? Yeah, he was, he, he was, he was, hey, he was in a good mood and, and the Galaxy should be in a good, he, I, I liked it too. He, he did go back to one of the most important things. Uh, he said it was nice to hear uh, hear music and blasting in the locker room after yeah. the game. And it, as as people who have been down in the locker room, we know that after a win, the music's loud and you usually have to ask them to turn it down whenever you're going to do. This might have been, Kevin, if we were down in the locker room, this might have been one of those times where we asked them to turn the music down. And they were like, nope, not turning it down. It's like we're letting this play. We're enjoying this one for a little bit. And that, by the way, that is universal in sports. I know when I covered the Angels, Mike Sosha was very animate that if he came into a locker room after a loss and there was music, he went nuts. And if he came in and the music wasn't loud enough after a win, he would turn it up. Um, the Florida Panthers, when I covered them one time, they were in a in a tough patch and they played genie in a bottle before a game for whatever reason, and they won. Right. And they had to play genie in a bottle at the for the rest of the season. Every time they won, it was everybody hated it. They were all cheering for the team to lose. And speaking of losses, by the way, I know you wanted to get to this. Five games left. It's a tough schedule. It's a tricky schedule because they play first um, in, in uh, against Houston, right? This weekend or on Wednesday's Houston. Yep, on Wednesday's Houston. That's a 5:30 p.m. kickoff time. Spectrum Sportsnet, a 5:38 actual kickoff time. Just in case you're doing it, then then oh, oh, then back home to Dallas, right? And then, but Houston. First of all, Houston is the Houston LAFC, the only two Western Conference teams that have not beaten the Galaxy. The Galaxy struggle in Houston. They came. They come home, play Dallas, which is a little easier than playing Dallas in Dallas. Then they have Kansas City and Seattle. Both on the road. Right. So, I mean, the first two teams they play are teams that are not really in the playoff race. The Galaxy, if they win, obviously it's good. They get the three points or they get the one point with a draw, but they don't necessarily push those teams away from them in the standings. Then they play two teams they can't catch. So it, you know, again, they need the points, but they they can't catch them. It doesn't affect necessarily their position vis-a-vis -vis the opponent. It's really the last game. The last game is really the only six-point game the Galaxy have. 
Yes, the last game is is the only quote unquote six point. But at this point and where the standings are, you'd have to sit here and say that um, all of these games right now are are super super important because any drop points. Let's just let's just take over what happened this weekend, right? And this weekend is um, one of those weird weekends in Major League Soccer. Basically, everybody who was supposed to win, all the quote unquote higher seeded teams, Kevin, uh, they ended up. They ended up not winning. They ended up losing. Um, and because of that, it, it threw some things sort of into uh, not disarray, but just some weird things sort of happened. You had uh, Colorado lose at RSL. You had Seattle lose to Houston. We'll talk about why that might be uh, important. We had SKC go up to Vancouver and lose. Uh, basically, the Houston Dynamo had the biggest win of their season, Kevin. Absolutely, 100% biggest win of their season. They took down the number one team in the Western Conference, Seattle 2-1. to one. It was, at times, a dominating performance over Seattle, who didn't have their best night, clearly wasn't on, on the ball with that. Uh, but Houston also scored two highly technical goals, which I don't know you recreate all the time. Um, so you look at that and say it. And then Houston, because of their wonderful win, has... This happened to them, which is they get eliminated from the playoffs. And the reason they got eliminated from the playoffs is almost as far fetched, which basically was uh, either Houston. Lo if Houston lose to Seattle, they're eliminated from the playoffs. Well, that didn't happen. They won. Uh, if Real Salt Lake beat Colorado. Well, that happened. If LA Galaxy beat Portland. Well, that happened. If Minnesota beat Austin. Well, that happened. And if Vancouver, you know, beats Sporting Kansas City. There were four things that had to happen in order to eliminate Houston from the playoffs, and they happened on that night where they had their biggest win. If, if we're translating that into what that looks like for a Houston game midweek, um, the Galaxy going to Houston and playing there, I think that you have no idea what is in the mind of the Houston Dynamo right now. They're going to roll up the carpet. Are they going to they going to call it good? Are they done? And let's take it even further. The reason I call it the trickiest game is for that reason. But it's also tricky for this reason. Greg Vanny, in his mind, has to put together a lineup that is going to be ready for Wednesday night's game and be competitive enough to try to get three points there. You may not need three points. You may need a point for sure, but you can't lose. And you really need to try to take three points because of how everything looks. You need as many points as you can get down this. But you also have to keep in mind, Kevin, that on Sunday or on Saturday, the Galaxy will host FC Dallas. That will be Dallas's second game of the week, not their third game of the week. And we have seen big differences in performance between games and weeks that have two games in a week and three games in a week. So the Galaxy will get some advantage being at home against Dallas on a Saturday night. But understanding that Dallas plays midweek, um, and they host LAFC and then they'll fly out and play the LA Galaxy, but they didn't play over this last weekend. So they don't have that. This is well, this is you tough. Know, I, I, I don't know that the Dynamo players were actually stunned by the fact that they didn't qualify for the playoffs or that they've been eliminated. I think they they saw that coming. But when you look at the Galaxy, so they have home and away or rather away and home. I think four points would be a reasonable expectation. Six would be much better. Anything less than four is a real bad result because then you have to anticipate Seattle and going to Kansas City. Galaxy have traditionally struggled forever going to Kansas City. Yep. That could be two games with zero points. One point would be great. Two points would be amazing. So if you're looking at that, I think reasonably next four games they get six points. That's not enough. And you were talking about you think that the, the team that they really have to pay attention to is Vancouver. Yeah, I, if I'm looking and let me see if I can pull up the standings here so that way we can at least get a uh, 
get a get a guesstimate at where we are at for for all this stuff. Um, if you look at the standings right now, you can basically say that uh, that Seattle ha- is locked in. Kansas City is locked in. Seattle actually has clinched a playoff spot. Kansas City will be next to clinch a playoff spot. Colorado will be right behind them. Um, so 50, so uh, Seattle has 57 points. Kansas City has 52. Colorado has 51. Then there's Portland at 46. Portland is four points separated from the LA Galaxy. Now, that was a big win for the Galaxy to even move that to four points. And there might be some argument that some team, whether it's Real Salt Lake or the LA Galaxy, um, can chase down Portland and at least make it close throughout this, depending on how Portland plays throughout it. But you're, I, I think we're all in agreement that the top four places, those teams are all getting into the playoffs. You're not going to knock those guys out. Portland, even if they fell to seventh, is still going to make the playoffs, it feels like, right? So we have those. Then you're left with Real Salt Lake on 42 points, the Galaxy on 42 points, Minnesota 41, Vancouver 40, and LAFC on 37, okay? For me, it is those five teams that will be sort of pressing and being uh, determining what those last three spots are, five, six, and seven. Um, and so you have five teams, you only have three spots, something's going to happen. And I think if you look at Vancouver, and and certainly the way that Vancouver played against the Galaxy this year, Kevin, but the way Vancouver has in general played since the firing of Mark Dos Santos and since they are now back in Vancouver playing at home more, I think you look at Vancouver and say that they may be a more dangerous team right now than Minnesota is. Um, and so they may weasel their way into that. Uh, LAFC, you were talking about their schedule and sort of looking at how that lays out. And I think that there's a reasonable argument that you could find them uh, making a push into that. Again, only four points out right now from a playoff position. But everybody, as we saw this weekend, Kevin, all the good teams that are already locked into a playoff position, numbers one, two, three, and four, all lost. Um, which meant that, you know, five, six, seven, eight, and nine all bumped up and moved forward. Um, and so nobody changed, right? So you had all those teams win. You had all these teams win. You had those top teams lose and nothing changed, right? Because everything basically was right where it was to begin with because those teams didn't move. That's still going to happen throughout the season, but you're also going to have some weeks um, and perhaps the midweek game and perhaps coming up this weekend where there's going to be a mixed bag in there and somebody's going to jump forward. And if anybody wins a game where other teams are losing in those five, you're going to see positions change and playoff spots change. It's extremely tight. And that's why, yes, the Galaxy can't affect their position in terms of, you know, a six point game where they can dramatically like if they played Minnesota right now, they'd have a chance to separate themselves by three more points and Minnesota would get none of those um, going through there. So. You know, that's that that's the only game really that you're going to look at down the stretch is that the Galaxy will play Minnesota in that six point game. Well, I, I really wish the Galaxy played, say, for example, Salt Lake or maybe played Vancouver, you know, so that they could affect this position. They're at 42 points now. If if you buy my scenario and they get four uh, from the next two games, they're at 46. Right. And then maybe one from uh, Salt Lake and, and or from Kansas, uh, Kansas City and Seattle, 47. They go into that last game with Minnesota, which I think is going to be a huge game. Even if Minnesota falls behind Toronto, they're not going to fall far. That last game is going to be somebody is going to be playing for a playoff berth, either Minnesota or L.A., maybe both. Um, the Galaxy are going to have to, to, to really go some, I think, to get the 50 points. And, and you had tweeted out something earlier today looking at the historically the, the last two, the 2018 and 2019 when the Galaxy missed the playoffs and then made the playoffs. Um, 50 points is, is not, 
it's it's <laughs> not guaranteed. Not yeah, yeah, that fifty points does not guarantee you anything. So, um, what it was was uh, the Galaxy through twenty nine games have forty two points. That's the same number of points they had in twenty nineteen through twenty nine games. And we know in twenty nineteen they ended up making the playoffs, right? In twenty eighteen they had thirty eight points through twenty nine games, right? So four points difference, and they finished with a total of forty eight points and missed the playoffs, and they got knocked out of the playoffs by the Houston Dynamo, uh, knocked out of playoff see knocked out of the postseason um, by Houston. Houston didn't allow them to make it the playoffs in 2018. So uh, it is going to come down. I will say this, uh, that that 51 points is usually the cutoff, Kevin, of yes, you will make it. No, you will not. Um, and I think that's a big stretch for any of these teams right now um, to be sitting there and saying for sure they can get 51 points um, from the from the pack that is that is sitting there right from this from this pack of, you know, that's at 42 points. That's asking, you know, to get uh, nine points uh, from their last five games. And the way that these teams have been playing, none of them have been consistent enough really to get that quote unquote nine games from the last five, nine points from the last five games. So um, super interesting to watch this. It's going to change and you're going to be scoreboard watching. Here's the good thing is the LA Galaxy as of right now control their own destiny, Kevin. Keep winning and you're going to be in the playoffs. You're already in the playoff position. You don't lose any games down the stretch. Not only will you be in the playoffs, but you'll have 15 more points. You may jump into that fourth or third spot, but that would may, that would be asking you to go on a six game winning streak to end the season. And if the Galaxy do that, then you might as well just make them MLS Cup winners. That's that's that. I mean, that would well, be that's such a momentum boost going into the postseason and such a, a head game thing. It would be crazy to think that that could happen. And I'm saying it's not likely is basically what yeah, I'm trying no, I, to say. I think it's impossible. But when you look at the teams the Galaxy are competing with, just just go down and and, and I'm looking at the standings here. Are they better than Real Salt Lake? Mm-hmm. Results would suggest that maybe they're even. I think they're better. I think, I think they have the, a better. I team. think they are. Mm-hmm. I think they're better than Minnesota. Yep. I think they're better than Vancouver. Yep. I think they're better than LAFC. Now that might change if Carlos Vela comes back and is motivated. Right now, Carlos Vela is not really interested in what's going on. So, I mean, certainly the Galaxy are a. I think they're the fifth best team. I, I would, you know, they're there with, they just beat Portland. Um, I would say Seattle, Kansas city and Colorado are clearly at this point better than the galaxy. Portland's kind of a push after that. I think the galaxy are the fifth best team. Now they may not finish fifth, but I think they're the fifth best team. Can, can I tell you that uh, as of their win on Saturday, that the LA galaxy are, are now in the top 10 teams in major league soccer. They are in 10th right now in, in the supporter shield. Think about that for a second. All right. 27 teams. I bet you they don't get it, though. Yeah. I mean, 27 teams, Kevin, 27 teams in this and an Eastern Conference that is uh, that is poor. I will say that they have some really good. I mean, New England is great, except that you jinxed them by being anywhere near them. Um, New England is is great. Um, Nashville, I think, is a really good team as well. Um, outside of that, you start falling apart pretty quickly. Um, I also can't say, would you say the L.A. Galaxy are better than Orlando City? maybe yeah. they're they're close so. they're close are they better than philadelphia maybe on some days i think philadelphia can be a very good team sometimes are they better than nashville i don't know that they can beat nashville nashville's defense is very very good so i mean i'm looking at this and sort of saying where would the galaxy be in the eastern conference and eh, they'd probably be in fourth or fifth in the eastern conference and right now they're in 10th overall um in major league soccer so there are ways and and ways to go about this kevin that you know the galaxy Again, I think your your logic holds true that the Galaxy are better than those teams. But looking back at the Galaxy's 
nine game winless streak, you sit there and say, well, yeah, they may have been better than a bunch of those teams they lost to, but they lost to them um, and they didn't get the results. And that's one of the reasons that that's a, well, that's a good, I, I see Nashville making the, the, the MLS cup final. I think it, I, I think it's going to be Nashville, Seattle. You're stealing. Why are you stealing? Played. Why are you stealing my, I have had that for like six weeks. That's, that's well, been and, my, and here's, here's why. I mean, yes, you know, the, the galaxy do have a chance and if they go up and play in Seattle, they have a chance, but Seattle's about to, I don't know if you've seen the video of Jordan Morris training. Seattle's about to get a national team striker back for the playoffs. No, nope, played that game before. Played that game. That, Jordan Morris, if he comes back and starts playing with the with Seattle, will be the reason Seattle gets bounced in the playoffs. You watch. Why is that? Because I'm calling I'm calling all of these guys. Remember whenever the Galaxy were like, oh, we're finally going to get our whole team back? And they got their whole team back, and then they started sucking, right? Do you remember? This is what happens in Major League Soccer when you have... What formation do you go to with Jordan Morris? Are you going to change how Seattle suddenly no, plays? I think Jordan Morris is, uh, is off the bench. Jordan Morris uh, is that 20-game winner you're putting the bullpen, and you use for one or two hitters. I'm, tell, I'm telling you, don't change things. This is one of those times. You know, you're wearing the same socks and the same underwear. I don't think uh, I don't think Brian Schmetz. Of course, you're going to put them in. Of course, it's a good thing. I'm, I'm joking a little bit here, but I'm saying that those are not always guaranteed things. Getting guys back, not always a guaranteed thing. And I think it's very important to point that out, that just because you're getting somebody back, like just because LAFC gets Carlos Vela back all of a sudden doesn't mean they're going to play well because he hasn't been playing with the team. I mean, it's, it's he's a very, very good player. One of the best in Major League Soccer whenever he wants to be. Right. But he has not been that this year. And so getting him back doesn't necessarily mean anything. The difference maker is the guy in goal, Stefan Fry. He's having one of the greatest seasons. He, he missed a lot of games with injuries. He's given up six goals. He's having one of the greatest seasons in, in MLS history. And, and you're right. Bringing in a striker, whether it's Carlos Vela or Jordan Morris, you change the formation. You know what? The goalkeeper doesn't change the formation. <laughs> and and it's, it's like having that closer that can shorten the game by an inning or two. And that's what Stephen Fry does. So I, I don't know. I like Seattle. And then Nashville, of course, you know, they win all their games one to nothing. And and defense wins in champion in, in the championships in the playoffs. Yeah, it, it could. I mean, that's it. I, that's why I like Nashville. That's one of the reasons. And New England hasn't beat them this year. Um, that's another reason, a good reason. Uh, this is this is my stat that I, we've been tracking. Uh, the LA Galaxy, for the first time in their last basically seven games, um, scored a scored first, and they actually won a game. What do you know? Um, that's how it works. Uh, so uh, it was a two to one win. The Galaxy are now eleven two and two. Kevin, whenever the LA Galaxy score the first goal, they outscore their opponents thirty to sixteen when they score the first goal. Uh, and then of course you have the opposite when they allow the first goal one nine and four, and they get outscored. And what's the one win? What's the one win? Miami, very first game of the season. The first game of the season. Yeah. I I think you could, I'm not going to argue it, but I think you could say there's a little bit of a character problem. They don't come back. Well, I mean, they fall behind, they fold the tents and they don't come back. They're not a good enough team to, to come back. And I think that's, that's where they're not developed to that point. And I, I don't know that it's a character thing. It's that they don't understand how to break down bunker defenses. I mean, one of the reasons that Portland absolutely 100%, I, this is why this the Portland game was the Galaxy's best game, was that the Galaxy held possession. They were able to move and shift and get Portland out of the set that they were in, and they were able to stifle the counterattack. If you're going to be a possession-based team, that's what you have to do. But being possession-based is so much harder than being a counterattacking team. And so I think that the learning curve for the Galaxy is super steep and will have many pitfalls. So when you're watching them play against Houston, um, which is something we need to start talking talking about because I was trying to get you out of here in about an hour. Um, but if you're watching them play against Houston, um, one of those important things is going to be to break break down Houston early um, and get a goal early. And I know that's that's bad analysis in terms of just basics, but that is going to be one of the things uh, that 
sort of uh, gets them. Let's. Oh, by the way, do you know if they win that game that for Greg Vanny, it's a milestone. You know what the milestone is? Hundred wins. Hundred. That's wins. that's true. And when, by the way, a little promo for the Galaxy, a little help selling some tickets here with the COVID thing. Uh, the game with Dallas, Ricardo Pepe's coming to town. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I would. I saw fans talking about that that the Galaxy were advertising Pepe coming to town, and there was a lot of uh, a, a lot of. Uh, anger or sort of looked at in terms of the LA Galaxy sell tickets on their players, not on other players, right? Now, certainly we've seen the Steven Gerrard versus Frank Lampard posters, and that is absolutely 100% a we're going to sell on the other guy coming to face our guy um, type of thing. But to basically say, oh, the peppy train is coming through, you know, hey, I'm excited because I want to see him play. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't know that that's what gets the fans. You know what? Hey, have somebody like Zlatan and, and fans fans will start coming back. Yeah, maybe. I've seen, I, I traveled with the Galaxy when, when Gerard was here and every city you'd go to, there were a million people wearing Steven Gerard jerseys in the stands. They came out to see him. You know what? I get it. I understand. Sell on your team, you know, cheer for your team. There are 17 opportunities every year to see Chicharito and Dos Santos and Legette. Ricardo Pepe comes here one time. I'm, He's I, pretty special. Well, I mean, and he, and the, and he has the LA Galaxy to thank him for being so special. I mean, he gets yeah, he, he has the hat trick against the LA Galaxy that boosts that uh, that that career for him, and now puts him on the U.S. Men's National Team. Yeah, I want you're going to be watching him on streaming video um, soon because he's going to be in another continent. Could very well could be. Uh, team of the week was announced just real quickly. Uh, two LA Galaxy players made the bench. I think Sasha Kleshin gets uh, a little underserved on this. I know he was a substitute. Uh, absolutely game changing whenever he came in. Good defense. Good distribution. Bear the penalty kick. Uh, Sasha Kleshin probably deserves to be on that team of the week and not just on the bench. Julian Araujo just continues to be Julian Araujo. That is the headline for that. Julian Araujo continues to be Julian Araujo. All right. Uh, we've talked a lot about the standings in between, so we won't go back over that anymore, but we do need to get you ready for this Houston game. Uh, LA Galaxy headed to Houston. Uh, coming up, they'll actually travel on, and I think they're traveling on Tuesday. Are they not, Kevin? I have the schedule in front of me. I can actually look it up, but I was... I was I was trying to stall there for a second. Um, that makes sense because they had regen and then one day of training and they travel on Tuesday. Yeah. That's a difficult travel because they're going a couple of time zones. They it, are. It, it is a long trip. It's a longer trip than people give it uh, credit for. So yeah, LA Galaxy will train on Tuesday morning. They trade on Monday morning. They had regen on Sunday, trained on Monday, uh, which is today. They will have training or a walkthrough, basically uh, some light training uh, that they'll do before they go and head to the airport and travel to Houston. And then you have the game 5.30 p.m. Pacific time. The game is on Spectrum Sportsnet. Kickoff will be at 5.38 p.m. at PNC Stadium. Um, I, I heard there weren't a lot of LA Galaxy fans traveling to this, which nobody is surprised because it's a midweek game and it's tough to get to, but I know some people in our Discord are going, so there'll be some people who are there. Uh, overall, uh, the numbers are this. Uh, Houston has 12 wins. Uh, LA has 14 wins head-to-head -head, um, and draws at 10. Uh, we've talked a bunch about the LA Galaxy having 42 points. Houston has 12 less points. Uh, Kevin, 6, 12, and 12. But here's the interesting thing. At home, uh, it seems the Houston Dynamo actually difficult to beat. Uh, only three losses the entire year. Six, three, and six at home for the Houston Dynamo. Uh, they have 24 points from uh, those those home games that they have played there. Uh, and so that's the bulk of their points have been at home. And as we were saying, they just beat the Seattle Sounders two to one. Um, and in a very, very good game, I think, for Houston um, and how they played. Here's, a, here's another thing I was looking at. The was that game in Houston, by the way? Uh, which uh, Yes, it was. It was in Houston. And Absolutely. so the guys will be taking that sun country, that good looking sun country charter. Yep. 
all the way over. It's it's all we we talked to uh, to to Zach uh, about uh, about the uh, the charter. He says it's all decked out as like sort of this first class, um, you know, plane and has everything that's nice. And so it's it's got business class. I think is the arrangement that it has for the charter. So everybody has enough leg room in there. Uh, the last three games, by the way, and I actually double checked this because I couldn't believe it. Last three games, these two teams have played Kevin, regardless of where they have played them, have ended one one. All right, you would have to go back to uh, April 19th, 2019, Zlatan time, uh, 2-1 win for the LA Galaxy over the Houston Dynamo in Houston. Uh, that was the last time. And if, as we all remember, uh, the Houston Dynamo eliminated the LA Galaxy from, uh, from the playoffs, from getting to the playoffs in 2018. So there's a lot of history uh, between these two clubs. And then you have to go back to the uh, two MLS Cups in 2011 and 2012 that were also uh, elimination games. Galaxy eliminated Houston. There was the blackout game at one point um, in one of the uh, in one of the lead ups to uh, to those games as well. So I, there's a lot of history between well, the Houston well, Dynamo and the LA Galaxy. Two of the games on this list are, are interesting. That the first one, go back to that. Oh, sorry. Uh, go back to that game thing. Yep. The first one, the 229-2020, Chicharito's first game um, in MLS. Um, right. And that was a 1-1 draw. And then the next one was uh, at MLS's back. Yes. Uh, 7-23, July 23rd, 2020. There it is. Um, so, yeah, that was an MLS's back one as well. And then you had the Galaxy playing at Houston early, or, or at home earlier this year, September 15th, not that long ago. Um, and it was a 1-1 draw. So part of uh, part of the slide for the LA Galaxy where they weren't winning games at the time. Uh, listen, I, I watched some of these Houston games. I've looked at them. They they can be a dangerous team. They have some high skill players. Uh, certainly, uh, uh, Arudi is a great player. Uh, Darwin Quintero has been back and it looks like he's finding form. He had an excellent goal. Arudi had a great goal. Um, so you're looking at these guys who can come in and sort of make a difference. And then you have you know Fafa Pakult has the most goals on the team. They can be a technical team, Kevin. I do think that they get one dimensional though. I think that they get play the balls over the top too too much. They try to play that long ball. So. If you're looking for the LA Galaxy and what happens to them in this game, uh, the defense is going to be pressured again. We know that. You know, it's it's one of those things where you look at at this game and say the Galaxy are well suited to be able to defend against the Houston Dynamo. I do think that Houston has speed. Uh, I think they use it well, but they are I th- primarily for at least from what I can watch, you know, a counterattacking team, which is interesting because they got one goal off a set piece um, and they got another goal by a great run by Darwin Quintero. Remember the you said Efrain Alvarez getting in the box and coming across the top of it, that type of thing. You didn't think he was really setting up for a shot. Darwin Quintero had the same thing, only he launched the shot once he got cleared of everybody. He cut in left footed shot back across every Everybody uh, ended up putting it behind Seattle. I think Houston hit the woodwork four times in the game. Uh, Seattle hit it once. Uh, so there's a there's a very good team in Houston that has been very inconsistent. I think that they have players who can make a difference. Former LA Galaxy player, of course, Joe Corona is on that team. There's a lot of things. Um, there's a lot of familiar names on on the Houston Dynamo. So um, for me, this is a difficult game for the Galaxy. We call it the trickiest because this is. This is a tough game to sort of wrap your head around. There is absolutely, and I know people in the chat room have already weighed in on this. There's absolutely a chance that Houston is is just done now. They're dead and they roll over because they're out of the playoffs and they don't. They're done. But there's yes or no. I would argue against that. There, there's two. There's two things going on. Yes, they can say we're done. We're out of here. I'm not going to risk injury. But there's some guys playing for contracts. Guys playing to, to go to other teams. I mean, there's that thing. It's like I don't want to come back and not make the playoffs again. I want to go to another team. Here's how good I am. And the last thing is they're dangerous because they have they do have nothing to play for, and and that 
that's actually a really big factor. If the game is draw one one in in the 85th minute, the Galaxy are saying let's bunker down and hold on to this, and Houston saying doesn't matter. Let's have fun. Yeah, I want to score a goal. I want to score the win. I want to be the hero. Yeah, and that makes them really dangerous. Yeah, it's it's absolutely one of those things where I can see a guy. Listen. There is there's still something to that, though. I mean, it is not absolutely a given that they come out and they play Kevin, right? It's not. And you can't say that it's going to be. And maybe there's some guys who are coming out and playing for contracts. Or maybe there's other guys who are like, man, I don't want to get hurt. I finally made it through this season. The season's almost over. I don't want to get hurt. So I'm going to go out here and I'm gonna play, but I'm not going to I'm not going to give him my 110 percent that I normally give. I'm going to give my 80 or 90 percent. Absolutely. a thing. But you know how the Galaxy take care of that real quickly. Score first. Score first and score a couple goals and give yourself some breathing room. It's something they haven't been able to do. And if they do, um, then the Galaxy can can win this game very easily because Houston is not a team that I think faces adversity well. Uh, and I think you can see that. They are winless on the road so far this year, right? Have not won a single game on the road. That's adversity, Kevin, that they are not meeting, right? That is a, that is a level that they are not able to, to match and to meet. So put this team, make this team feel like they're on the road. Put them under well, pressure early. Well, here's another thing, too. You mentioned scoreboard watching earlier. Uh, the, those the, the the teams five through like ten or eleven, they're all scoreboard watching. They're looking, hey, what did the LAFC do? What did Vancouver do? Oh, Vancouver did this. Oh, that's really great. Galaxy. Everybody knows the Galaxy are scuffling a little bit. If the Galaxy win this game three to nothing, four to nothing, which I'm not predicting they do, but if they did, if they put up a big number, everybody else around them in the standing says, whoa, that's you know, you know, they they're gonna put those teams on their heels a little bit. Yeah, and, and most of the, the bulk of the Western Conference games will come after the LA Galaxy kickoff on this. Uh, Minnesota will play, uh, will host Philadelphia. Uh, that's actually, uh, again, I think that's a good matchup. I think Philadelphia will be very tough for Minnesota. Uh, you have Houston and the LA Galaxy. You have Nashville hosting Columbus there. That's sort of the last Eastern Conference team a game that's being played on Wednesday. Uh, Colorado hosts Seattle. That's going to have no effect on the LA Galaxy. Just just let it go and the whole thing. But then you got Timbers in Vancouver. Timbers hosting Vancouver. You Galaxy don't want Vancouver to get points, right? So that's something you're going to watch. The Dallas and LAFC. Dallas hosting LAFC. That kicks off 30 minutes before. That's one to watch because Dallas may very well think that they're still in the playoffs. You never know. There's still a chance. And because of that, they're at home. And we've talked about how difficult they are to beat at home. LAFC needs wins. That's another team that could sort of drop out. So Minnesota and LAFC could drop out of contention here um, if you they... If they do that. You know what's one of those games are really going to be good? Columbus is starting to put things together. I know they're outside the playoff picture right now, but Jesse's artist, MLS Player of the Week, um, that Nashville game, that's going to be a tough game for them. If the Columbus wins that game, they could be onto something. Very interesting. This All this, you know, it always happens every year. You start to watch scoreboards. You start to watch other games. You watch other teams. You sort of see where everything is and how it's leading into the playoffs. Uh, the Galaxy, it's going to be squeaky bum time. Uh, if the Galaxy want to make it not squeaky bum time, keep winning games. Uh, win this game in Houston. Win this game on, in FC Dallas. Uh, have the longest winning streak, by the way, of the year because their current longest winning streak is two games. Uh, win three games in a row here, and the Galaxy do a huge chunk of of not having to worry as much about that Seattle and those sporting Kansas city games, and then getting to that final game against Minnesota. I think that if you win these next two games, that your chances of making the playoffs are almost uh, in that probably 80 to 90% range at that point. Did you say squeaky bum game? Squeak, squeaky bum game. Yeah. You know, whenever whoa, squeaky bum time, everybody knows that one. Come on. You start no, to clinch. There's, there's like two minutes know. left in the game. Everybody starts clinching the butt cheeks. Everybody knows that Kevin, that's, that is standard vernacular inside of sports. I yeah. don't know what you're talking okay. about. Uh, so okay. we'll, yeah, you're just gonna have to trust me on that one. I don't know what else to say. All right. Back in my day, it was, uh, you know, the bee's knees. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it still is in your head somewhere. Um, <laughs> all right. 
uh, let's get out of here and, and do this. For me, uh, I think uh, I'm going to say that the LA Galaxy have a real chance to win this game. Uh, I won't say that they're going to win the win the game, but I think they're going to be put in a position to be able to win this game. Whether or not they convert their chances is going to come down to whether or not they do it because I think they're going to generate the chances. When you put those scores up, I have to say those 1-1 one, one draws, uh-huh. I was looking at that and saying, this man, is a, This is a 1-1 one, like, one, one draw, right? Yeah, it seems like, yeah, it <laughs> seems like I, I can see that happening again. I, I just... It just when you put that up there, I just my visceral reaction was, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, all right. Well, then you know, hey, I I don't disagree. By the way, the the odds I'm sure are in that favor of looking at that. All right, we want to make sure you get you get to bed. You're old and you have an early, early whatever you're doing. I don't know wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you have something that you need to do at, and so we need to make sure that we'll let you go. And you're probably not in this time zone. You're probably one in a, in a in a time zone that it's where it's much later. So uh, we're yeah. Gonna... Well, you know, it's a, yeah, it's, it's dark behind me, and this is like I said, I'm in the corner of the galaxy bunker in an undisclosed location. Undisclosed location. Yes. Dick Cheney was with me just a minute ago. Um, I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was. All right, uh, let's go ahead and get on out of here then. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. Yeah, I don't know why. Uh, at KBaxter11, uh, head on over to that. LATimes.com is where you can find all of his writing. He's got some stuff up his sleeve. I know. I'm making He's He's going to, he has some good stories. I know where they're coming. I'm not going to tell you, but you need to pay attention. LATimes.com. He'll tweet him out. Follow him on Twitter. All right, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGuessman, J G U E S. M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. We have our game recaps, all that fun stuff, game previews. We're getting you ready for Houston. We have this podcast up there. All that fun stuff is there right away. Go check it out, cornerofthegalaxy.com. All right, for Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Patrick Esman. You've been listening. You've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Arajo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>